watch out. You better not cry. You better not look underneath that bed. Cause a whole new pod uh, is back in your ear holes. Hey, it's a whole new pod. Hey, I don't want to be associated with this. We're a podcast all about everything Disney Channel original movies. I am your host, Lucas Melby. And I'm your other host, Jacob Telejohn. And at this point, maybe permanent podcast member? I'm not watching Horse Sense. (laughs) Not watching Horse Sense? Who is that? Sam, blazing. We got a good episode here, but look forward to horse sense as being Samless and, I don't know, with a lot of horses. Hashtag Samless. All right. But, I don't know, we don't got a whole lot to say. Nothing's really happened much in the last couple weeks. We're on schedule. Yes. That's the biggest thing, is this should come out two weeks after the last episode. It was going to snow, like yesterday, but it didn't. And I, we don't need weather talk. Oh. <laughs> well, we got it now. But we don't need it too much chitter-chatter, because the movie we watched today, we can just say it right here. Can't Another lie. 1999 decom. Don't look under the bed. Great. Fantastic. Maybe the greatest there ever was. Wow. There is also a lot to dissect and get into, so we don't need to beat yes. around the bush, really. Just, we'll get into the details because I usually take about maybe two pages of notes. And this one, I took almost three pages of notes to give you some ideas. So, a lot to get into. So, we'll start where we always start and where the movie starts. The opening shot, which is fairly ambitious compared to some of the more recent ones we've watched. Which is, a, I would assume, a crane shot. Some kind of sweeping crane shot that's flying around the streets of what we learn through a narration of our main character, Francis. A dream. Is Middleburg. In Which, the middle of the country. Yes, just your classic suburban middle of the country town. Not, not to get confused with Centerville, which is in the center of the country. Centerville, which is almost a bookend. <laughs> we'll not hear about Centerville for quite some time. But yes, we're within, it seems to be within a dream of Francis, our main character. And she's speaking about Middleburg, how, oh, it's kind of just your normal town. People think yeah. it's kind of boring. But she's hinting at that she thinks there's something going on. There's something sinister underneath this middle of the country town uh we might eventually learn more about that but francis is first woken up by her mom which is cast in sort of a spooky voice oh you're you're jumping too high we we see the clocks the clocks the the clocks clocks, are going up before the clocks um, yes going forward hours or all the clocks around town yes yeah so like seven o'clock it's a regular it clockapalooza yeah the worst the first one we see actually yeah we see like a clock tower in town and we also see francis's alarm clock which quickly is ticking up and i, I lucas did make the note like oh wow it seems really dark out for you know seven o'clock and i was right as we'll shortly find out so yeah she's woken up by her mom and her mom sounds spooky she's there's, like there's a creepy shadow you yeah. know like a creepy finger on the wall francis get up uh and she also looks to her left and we also see a spooky doll that's within her room that would just be spooky on its own but the doll is turns its head to look at francis and we'll see that doll many numerous times five times it is essentially the guitar squeal of this movie (laughs) except it's in there and we probably won't mention every single time it happens it happens a lot so the family uh francis's whole family she's got a mom and her dad uh, I think Sam and Telejohn want to point out that the dad was played by Stephen Todorowski. <laughs> something along those lines. Sam said he's a, a character actor. He's gotten around. I think Sam said had over 200 postings or wow. acting roles on IMDb. I know him from recent seasons of Silicon Valley on HBO. He plays Jack, some corporate guy. 
Sam also Groundhog said. Groundhog Day. Yeah. Yeah, he's in that too. We don't know the character name, but he is a recognizable guy. He's very good in this movie. He's kind of a yeah. overly protective, yeah. kind of anal retentive father. So yeah, he's but fun. He does all the women's work in the house, which exactly. the movie brings up yeah. many times. Yeah, you know, there's regressive aspects of this being a 1999 DCOM. But the family all gathers up. So yeah, we've got a mom and her dad. We also have two brothers of Francis. One is, I think, older than Francis, it seems, yeah, who goes I, by I Bert. So. And yeah. then the younger son. Bert. Yeah, they're yes. all named after fucking smart people. Oh, I, I could, didn't dumb. realize Al- who Albert, Albert was Einstein. until just right now. Yeah, yeah. Albert Einstein. Yes. Francis's name is actually Francis, middle name Bacon. Bacon. So for Sir Francis Bacon. And then Darwin, I think this is her Darwin. youngest brother's first name. So not like Darwin Charles or I don't uh, know. Charles Darwin. Sure named after Charles. Yeah. Well, yes, but it seems yeah. weird that they couldn't just call Darwin, him Charles. Darwin, Darwin. Charles. But you would be able to get it out if his name wasn't Darwin, probably. Yeah. Okay, so they're all meeting up, trying to get breakfast started, and they're all like, why is it so dark? Oh, is there a storm coming? So they're all kind of grumpy. The eggs are missing from the, the, the fridge, yeah. which is an important little detail. And the dad quickly announces soon after that all the clocks went off early, and it's actually like 4, four o'clock in the, in the morning. morning. You know that Frances is smart because she's like, oh, there's a logical explanation to why the eggs are going. Yes. Which happens all the fucking time in this movie. Well, it's certainly loaded on very heavy in the early parts because Frances yeah. is in high school, and similar to, but not quite to the level of Charlie and Genius, she is a smart kid who has skipped a grade to be in high school early. So it's implied that she's about 13, and Sam actually looked up the actress's age when she 20, played this role. 20 years old. Yes, she is 20 years old. Quite the the plane down. I I said 18, but... Teljohn was just trying to cover yeah. his, uh, maybe some subconscious feelings he was having. Uh, so yeah, she is in high school and she's heading to school with her friend, who I think was name is Joanne. Yes. Her friend also says that her clock was early. And then as they're walking to school, they also notice that there are dogs on the roofs. Because we also saw yes. the the night before, we saw a creepy hand um, slicing open a big bag of dog treats. Slicing open with its long, long finger. Nail. Yes, and all the treats pouring out onto the roof, and we we saw a dog. Which doesn't make any sense. She also had a... All you need to do to get a dog on the roof is just throw a biscuit up there. No, they had a <laughs> string that was attached to the biscuit. Oh, that's right. The, Probably dangle it up the ladder because this movie is the dog fucking amazing. The yeah. Wow. So there's dogs on the roofs, but like yes. nobody seems really that concerned about it. They're like, why is that dog on the roof? Why is that dog on the roof? Hmm. Shoulder shrug. Let's keep going to school. No, Seems no, no you're missing enough. a very important point where Joe says that she wants to bone Bert. Yeah, so that, I think, I don't know if I put it in my notes, but that comes up later on. But we can just get into it here where Joanne likes Francis's brother Bert. And yes. partially it's not revealed that she like she just goes, oh, your brother Bert's gonna be there for another year when I'm in high school next year. Yeah, so maybe it, we can fuck. But Joanne also seems to be infatuated with him because she thinks he's like brave and cool. Because we'll learn somewhere down the line in the movie oh. that Darwin had childhood leukemia yes. and that Bert was a bone marrow transplant person. Because for him. Yeah, but Francis... he's not cool and dangerous because he wears a bike helmet that makes him look like a nerd. Oh. But we'll get into Safety more first. about the leukemia stuff because it plays a significant <laughs> role in some of the interpersonal dynamics that happen in this movie. Yes. At the at school they're just in front of the school. Francis meets up with like her biology teacher who has a cool 
convertible that he's coming nice out of. Nice car. And she's like, nice my car. biology teacher likes me so much. And Joanne's like, whatever, bitch. <laughs> uh, but then Francis gets distracted by this guy who's this real cool, lounging yeah. around on a rock in front of school. Yeah. He's got... He's got shades on. He's got a Hawaiian shirt, some cool shoes. He's he's checking her out, and and you know, at first she doesn't really give it too much thought. You know, just kind of notices this. this no, she's new guy. kind of like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, after after he moves from that location, because I think he disappeared from the. Well, no, because she points him out to Joanne, oh, and she's like, Joanne, who who is this mysterious yeah, figure? And right. she's like, bitch, you tripping? I should mention that Joanne is black. <laughs> and then they look, and so is this. This other guy. Yes, this Mysterio clearly wants to have sex with Francis. Oh. I mean, he's he's doing the lower the, the sunglasses, yeah, looking over happen. kind of thing. But yeah, she... France, uh, Joanne seems to not be able to see this mysterious figure, and then when Francis looks back again, he is not there. Go he's on. on the roof. Yes, as Francis is going into class, she sees that he's poking his head out over the roof. Brings up another point. There's a dog on the roof there. Was that previously up there, or did he bring up his own dog and put sunglasses on? No. Because the dog's wearing sunglasses. I can see where you're confused. There's another roof that he's on later on in the movie that there's a dog with sunglasses oh. on. No. But I probably would have forgotten to point that out, so thank you for bringing it up now. As I said, this movie too is many chock, small details. chock full. Yeah, a lot of really lot good of details. Layers yeah. While everybody else is inside school, all of a sudden... Francis's biology teacher's cool car is just bombarded by countless eggs. Just like not from the side, but like just poured straight. Yeah, they down seem to appear from out of thin air. Yeah, but nobody really knows where. But Larry, oh shit, Larry sees it all happening. Is the mysterious guy's name? We'll get to when his name yes. is revealed. But yeah, mysterious guy is like, what's happening? And he sees all these empty cartons on top of the the school roof. So the mystery. The plot thickens. The yeah. other mystery is the car is a good 30 yards away from the roof. Yeah. And they drop straight down. They're not at an angle. Maybe we we'll don't have need to rewatch logic. it. Exactly. But it's the boogeyman, okay? Let's go and say it's the boogeyman. In class, Francis is in the biology teacher's class. She's learning about that everybody else seems around her had their clocks Strange turned backwards. Things, yeah. Spooky stuff starts happening in the class. Oh, the skeleton turns its head. <laughs> yeah, the skeleton, which is in all biology classes, as we learned in uh, Genius as well. But there's also like a taxidermy bird of some kind. This time it wasn't some nerd in science club that helped someone rig it up. Exactly. It's just spooky. Yeah. So, yeah, there, just throughout, just speaking right now, I'd say there's a very good spooky atmosphere that's put out in this movie. There's good music that's relatively yes. spooky. They have lots of... To use, I believe, the correct term, Dutch angles. The camera's always, like, tilted a lot of the time to yeah. add it tension. Be, it should be noted that this movie scared the shit out of me. There are a lot a of parts throughout this movie that are... They're still creepy. I Burned into my brain. Like most DCOMs, I did not see this one as a kid. But I could definitely see how this could be very distressing to yeah. a child in certain parts. And we'll be very sure to point those out. Francis, at some point, sees the mystery guy. Oh, yeah, it's, like, in the science class or something, or in lunch, or I don't know, somewhere. He's he's hiding behind, like, the body of the yeah. the skeleton or whatever. And Basically, Francis, you know, is like, oh, what are you doing here? And he does the thing, you know, that people talking do. Talking to me. You can see me? Yeah. And then 
There's which just is an apt term because the tiger's eyes start glowing in the school prior to this. Afternoon. Yeah, we get kind of a supercut of by narrated by Francis of just a lot of spooky stuff that happened. Some yeah. more spooky than others. Oh, do, do, oh this, this is where the Jello happens. Yeah, the pool is. Yes. We see a shot of the swim team practicing, and somebody just dives in. Big red pool of of jello that yes. apparently lucas it's, like lucas pointed out how did they not notice a big red pool of it's jello? not like it was you it could be believable if it was like green jello or blue jello but if it's just straight up red jello like do the, we want to chime in now where the jello came from because we'll probably forget no, no but i would like to say that they had <laughs> just an ass shot of this this girl's legs legs sticking out for a good minute it's pretty well and this person was stuck in the jello for at least a good minute and people were slow to react i'm like this person is at risk of dying, dying. they yeah. can't just eat their way out of this they've already <laughs> come to terms with it they just watch someone die also i think just diving head first into a thing of jello like you could screw up your neck doing that i no, would say so mostly water do we need to start a youtube channel to, yeah. to I test this I want to. <laughs> another spooky thing is there's a bunch of bees in the principal's office bees. why did it have to bees. be bees <laughs> uh the school buses were just filled with water and it came spilling out and then also all across town within the school, but also just everywhere on people's shoes, on walls, Bees. there's just a B, the letter B spray painted. Yeah. So certainly interesting stuff is happening in Middleburg. They're, they're on the lockers. Well, that, we'll get to that. Yeah, that's the next day. So much. So, so at much. the next morning, Francis and her family are having breakfast again. And this is where dad points out. Where's my gelatin? Yes. So not only were the eggs missing the day before, but now the gelatin's missing. How much jelly mm. would, would you have needed to fill that pool, though? Well, he's it's taking it from it. all of the... It's implied that oh, they're... Yeah. So, like, everybody's yeah, clocks are being set... <laughs> everybody's clocks oh, are being God. set back. <laughs> everybody's dogs are on the roofs. Yeah. Everybody's getting bees everywhere. Fair. Everybody's getting their stuff stolen. So it's, like, what across the, the whole town. boogeyman's problem? He's trying to scare one person. It's just inconvenience and thousands. That's fair. But I liked the point of when the dad was asking about the gelatin because he specifically was like, I wanted to make my fruit thing fruit that I always make. Fruit. <laughs> Which, I mean, you know what he's talking about. It's when Jello has fruit in it. And it's like, yeah. what do you call that? That's just, I don't know, fruit a thing. fruit thing. They can't say yeah. Jello because that's branded. It just oh, has to be gelatin. Yeah. And I don't remember exactly what Francis says, but like Sam mentioned earlier, she says some kind of nerdy analytical thing like, oh, there's a logical explanation for all of this. And that seems to make all of her parents immediately yes. and, suspect and brother, her. Little brothers. They all, yes. it's just them all just staring quietly at her being like, what are you hiding? And they're not the only ones because when Frances gets to school that day, actually before she gets to school, she first encounters her friend Joanne who sees that somebody... The potting. Yeah, because she... Had, we, could, we see a spooky hand dig into the lawn at night. But we don't know what's going on. Yeah, there's, there's, so there's too much I can't cover everything, <laughs> but... Because, yeah, Joanne, at one of these days of school, had mentioned again that she liked Bert. She wanted yeah. Bert. So, the boogeyman, not Francis, spoiler, it's not Francis, but the boogeyman has somehow planted in flowers on Francis's lawn, Joe Hart's Bert. Yeah. So, Joanne is pissed. And other people are pissed because when Francis gets to school... All of the lockers have bees written on them. Well, before them. she even gets in, everybody's outside of the front of the school. Everybody's quiet, just staring at staring her. Staring at her, yeah. Which yeah. is kind of... I, I was led to believe that they weren't staring at her, but time had froze. That's what I... I wasn't sure if it was oh. boogeyman shenanigans. I think it was oh. just like... If, if she they were just staring at her, why did everyone move when the bell rang? Yeah, the bell rings and everybody gets loud all of a sudden. So it was very weird. 
Uh, but yeah, in school, I'll let you, Jake has been really wanting to get on this. Again, so Tiger she, she's walking through the uh, the halls, and you know, people are like whispering and staring at her, as Lucas had said. And she notices the bees on all the lockers, and she's like, "Oh, what's what's up with my locker?" She, I bet she did it. Look at her locker. One one of the girls says. Well, why, why doesn't your locker have the bee on it? And, and this girl like, is you know, conservatively 30 years old. I don't know why, why it's me. So Francis she's Hollywood teenager. opens up her locker to find a bee on the inside. And they're like, ta-da. You did well, it. yeah, but it's like, oh, yes, I'm going to Why would she do it on herself? And I'm going to put it not on my locker. Come on, on boogeyman. Yeah. Like, you oh. could have made it far less. Just don't put a bee inside of her locker. Come on, boogeyman. This is basic stuff. So at lunch, Francis meets the the mystery man once again who finally introduces himself as Larry Houdini. Larry Houdini, yeah. And unlike Chaz Anthony, this is immediately called out as a ridiculous name. And Chaz Anthony is cool. (laughs) We can't get started on Chaz Anthony again. My firstborn son will be named Chaz Anthony. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, Francis is like, Larry Houdini, like Harry Houdini? And then he's like, well, I'm not named after Francis Bacon. So it's like everybody's names are stupid in this movie. (laughs) They call him out. He says something that he's like, yeah, I'm imaginary or and I'm, I'm an imaginary friend, which is something that she doesn't pick up on for so fucking. Long. Yeah, she does not believe him. And, and he does all these crazy That's things. Right. He too. dances in front of a guy and the guy doesn't even know. Takes him. his cookie or whatever he'd stolen. And he's also we hadn't mentioned that up to this point, but he's constantly changing Outfits. wardrobe. But he also gets a bunch of too. props. So he's basically like the genie from Aladdin where yes. he's pulling out. When he's talking about what's going on, he pulls out like a Sherlock Holmes hat and pipe. And, and he's like, I think you've been life. framed and puts his head inside of a picture frame. Yes. It's quite extreme. And well thought since out. Francis doesn't really believe him still, she's like to the whole lunchroom. Hey, what's uh, up with this guy, guy over here? <laughs> and then everybody's like, she's so fucking crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> So nobody sees her. They think she is really crazy. Yeah. And then she gets called to the principal's office because the biology teacher noticed that she had a list that she was compiling before where she of was very proud. Of, know where... She was like, I'm building a statistical analysis of what's happening because I'm a fucking nerd. So she had a list of everybody whose clocks had been set back. But no. the teacher took that to mean that she had organized this as some kind of super cool prank that everybody would get up early so all these kids were setting their clocks back. The school's mascot is the Tigers. You better believe every fucking inch of this room is covered in tiger prank. Yes. Good, good, good set dressing. Uh, but also, they're like, is it not true that your middle name is Bacon? And does that start with the letter B? B? And it's like, oh shit, they've got her red-handed. <laughs> so between those two things, they're just, you're the culprit. Francis obviously does not want to be coming off as a criminal. So she says she knows somebody who she thinks is involved or at least knows what's going on. Yeah. Q Larry sticking his head through the door wearing hockey gear. Yes. Many different outfits. He's a... So then Francis chases after him as he's skating down the hallway. (laughs) And they get into the music room. Yeah. And the teachers follow in and they can't see him still, but Francis really not picking up on that. And this was one of my favorite cuts to Larry in the movie where she's like, he's playing the saxophone! (laughs) (laughs) On top of a piano. Yes, it was straight up, you know, cool, whatever the... Extremely cool sax guy yes, meme or whatever. Video. Uh, yeah, he's doing that just on top of the piano, and it's pretty great. And they're like, no, you're really crazy. 
So the principal and the school guidance counselor call in Francis's mom for a you know parent teachers conference. Yeah. This is again, it's like they're under you know want to be like detectives or lawyers. Where like the guidance counselor says, "Is it not true that uh, her younger brother had leukemia <laughs> and needed a bone transplant so she could be suffering from some weird after effects of this?" And the mom was like, "Ah, uh, 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 uh. but it was our oldest." Bert, <laughs> who is the transplanter, it's like, oh shit! All right, uh, the case is blown wide the, out. The, the teacher was like, no, it was just a theory. Because <laughs> <laughs> every adult in this is a fucking nerd. Yeah. Uh, so it's yeah. There's some concern uh, about her having yeah weird effects from giving up subconscious anger or something related oh, yeah. to Darwin's yeah. disease. We see Francis, who's in the waiting area, who's just sleeping on a bench that has a like a stuffed toy tiger on it that she's using as a pillow. Yeah. Does that tiger's head turn? You better fucking. I don't know if it was turning to be spooky, as if that she was just moving on it. But the real spooky thing here was a spooky boogie hand reaching out towards her. But then she gets woken up by her mom. Yeah. Brought home. The mom thinks she could have repressed anger or like anxiety about her parents making her move forward with her life too quick by putting her into high school early or that she could be suffering from hypnosis, you know, yeah. one or the other. Yeah, she's going, oh, there's a uh, mass hypnosis all over the world. I noticed her and then there was being some, hypnotized on the way home said, from oh, school. She said, oh, I was being hypnotized. <laughs> it was a little, like, weird joke. Like, well, how could you be hypnotized? And then, like, Bert is, like, watching the TV, and they're like, Bert, we're having a serious conversation here. Because <laughs> Bert is so cool. Well, it's like, kids and their TV, am I right? The boob tube, the idiot box. Wow. All right, sorry. <laughs> the only boob to Bert needs is Joe, if you know what I mean. What? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Oh but also, Francis is starting to suspect that it could be a mass hypnosis, but of other people against her that they can't see Larry because Larry has hypnotized them. Yeah. She sees something under her bed, so she's starting to like check out underneath there in this situation. But then Darwin comes in and interrupts her. And then he asks her about the boogeyman because he said some kids at the park had been talking to a guy who was talking about the boogeyman, but Darwin could not see the guy they were talking to. He had mentioned the name Larry. I don't think she asked him what his name was, but he had mentioned, no, they said his name was Larry, and then he walks out of the room. So, Francis... Curiosity, puts, puts obviously, two, two together. Yes, uh, we left out an important rule: is if you put the blanket over your head, the boogeyman can't touch you. That comes much later in the movie. No, no, she said the kids, the other kids say. Oh, okay. Well, it's brought up again later on in the movie, but I also probably would have forgotten to bring it up then. A lot of detail. But so Francis, the intelligence, said, put two and two together, goes to the park, and of course we see Larry who is shooting hoops in a karate gi because. Sure, why, why not? He knows Kung Fu. He's in a movie called Dance Fu. And he, he <laughs> puts on some sick moves later on in the movie. They, I don't know, they talk a bunch of stuff, but Larry keeps talking about some guy in head or the guy in his head brought, told him to come here that he has to, you know, figure something out. Yeah. Something about the boogeyman. So they end up going to the library. But before they do that, he's playing on the, the monkey bars, acting like a monkey, and he's doing like a handstand. On the monkey bars. No, he holds, puts his hands <laughs> on the handbars, and then he walks, walks up, up that's vertically, right. and just she still doesn't know that he's imagining. <laughs> yeah, it's a very bad effect, but yeah, it's supposed to start hinting at the fact that uh, Francis is starting to suspect. Uh, maybe 
baby! This is an <laughs> hypnosis. The guy that got a saxophone and was dancing on a piano that no one could see. Yeah, that that's the thing is he constantly is changing wardrobes. He's constantly disappearing, getting new props. We didn't mention that at one point he goes into like a marching band uniform and like marches no. out of the music room. So yeah, she's for as smart as she is to skip a grade, she's a little slow on the pickup. He's got so many sunglasses. So again, yeah, she's no Charlie from she's Genius. like wearing a Chewbacca bandolier of sunglasses. <laughs> So at the library, Larry's interacting with some kids because the kids can see him. So he's making a bunch of noise, but the librarian can't see Larry, but she hears the noise. So she's constantly shushing people. And the kids are watching a TV. Um, yeah, which this, is how, this is how shitty this writing is. I can't read to you kids here. Yeah. <laughs> we have no special readers yet. Just watch some random. Like the show they that was re- first. They were reading Peter Pan. Oh, okay. I was like, the show that was first on there, just, I I don't know, it kind of looked like it could have been like a soap opera or something. <laughs> it's a girl just, yeah. it was a stag shot of someone reading Peter Pan. Okay, I, I didn't pick up on that. This TV and we're talking her about, her husband though. comes in and says that she was cheating. <laughs> yeah. But her yeah. husband, who she thought was dead until that point. But it's actually his evil twin yeah. brother after his inheritance. And he puts on an eye patch. <laughs> this TV, we might add. Um... This might be a better premise than this movie. <laughs> Larry climbs into the TV, and Larry's on the TV. Yeah, that's not, it's not kids. really important. It's cool. I think it's in, this, the the, he's in the TV, he might mention, talking yeah, put Fran the covers over your head. But Which, Francis uh, sees him walk behind the TV, then she walks behind the TV, and, and then looks there. at the TV. <laughs> on the TV. It's kind of a fun moment. It kind of reminds me, it's almost like... Something like Pennywise would do to like nope. scare the kids, except yeah. it's to make them laugh. Or like Pennywise yeah. is just, like you know hopping into like the TV or like coming yeah. out or yeah, whatever. He goes in there, it's like, hey, you should kill your dad. Like <laughs> <The guy laughs> doesn't. Yeah, and like Larry, uh, <laughs> they couldn't get away with this in this movie because he's black. They wow. put on a bad image for the Disney. <laughs> sure, Larry, it will put it out there. Larry is African American, <laughs> uh, but it's also kind of neat that Larry is like talking to. Francis while still on the TV. Yeah. But the actual important part of the scene, the whole TV thing is mostly just a side gag that I did not write anything down about. But they come across a book titled El Libre de Boogie, which of course translates to Book of Boogie. Book of Boogie. And while they're kind of finding this book, Larry also mentions that, oh, it's kind of bright in here. And Francis says, oh, you need light to read. But he's like, oh, no, my eyes are being sensitive. So he puts some sunglasses on. So what's going on there, Larry? Well, they also say that it's... Foreshadowing. It's written by man N period. No, it's it's the book of Boogie written by guy N head, letter N head, and... Furthermore, it is dedicated to Larry. Just Larry. Not not Larry Houdini, just Larry. And then she goes, Larry. oh my god, he's telling the truth. <laughs> so Sam... And also, I love him. <laughs> so Sam at this point was like, this book isn't real. And I'm like, I think it is. Because Larry takes it out, blows dust, dust off, off of it. Of which I, seems like a weird detail. But then he's also holding it when like the librarian looks at them. So the book should be floating there. But that's not brought up. The book also doesn't have the barcode for the Dewey Decimal System. Oh, so sure. how crappy is this library? But Francis goes to check book. out the book. And she was able seemingly to. checks it out. It doesn't it's... have a scan code on it. How are you checking? Yeah, they did add the detail. Of the that librarian <laughs> say, scan. All right, this is due back in three weeks. <laughs> no. Please avoid <laughs> late so, fees. They have all the details, it's but they like, missed like the most important one. check out this book. Smash cut. Next scene. <laughs> yeah, there's good attention <laughs> to this movie, but it could still be better. <laughs> So, yeah, they check out the book, and they're reading it uh, on the yeah. way home, and then they're looking at it in her room or something, and yes. 
at some point, Larry's like, yeah, the boogeyman's real. He lives underneath your bed. So Francis is going to check it out. So she's in her room. She's looking under her bed. Doll's turning. Yep. Like the yeah, doll looks at her. In the middle of the day. Yeah. yeah it's she's, turning in the day. She now. is bent over, which means this boogeyman is also a perfect. It takes one to know oh. one. Am I right? Yeah. Take yeah, her I, yeah. You missed the sound of our knucks hitting each other. <laughs> I, I, I never, I never. Melby has said way more perverted things than that. What does the record Let's... show? I have audio hours of podcasts. <laughs> Melby, maybe you want to tell them what a double fist to chest is that you made up in the seventh grade. Wow. It's, it, I would think it was later than seventh grade, oh. but it's, it's too complicated to explain, and probably references a commercial that nobody remembers. So, uh, next, but next moving time. on, oh, we could talk about it off. <laughs> she is looking underneath her bed. Some very ominous music is playing. But then she's interrupted by Larry, who's on her bed. And if it wasn't on the nose enough that he's very much like the genie, he's wearing like a genie-like costume. Sultan. Yeah. Oh, just because he's dressed up in Middle Eastern garb, Melvin. He's He's obviously trying to be a sultan. (laughs) Just because he says, Kazam. Does that happen? No. Just because he's Sinbad. Okay. But he says, hey, the boogeyman's not there right now. Okay, cool. Darwin comes in because he hears Francis talking to Larry, but he can't see Larry. And which is weird. Larry tries to get his attention. Yo, what up, Darwin? Yo, what's up, Darwin? He seems really broken up about the fact that Darwin is is not seeing him. Yeah. So Darwin leaves and Larry starts to freak out about how that Darwin can't see him. And Francis says something about like, yeah, Darwin's kind of growing up fast, too, because, like, his disease and all. I had told him, you know, we got to believe in doctors and stuff, not imaginary and friends. he gets pissed. Yes. Rage. And his eyes, eyes. change to a spooky, like, Purple? kind of feral style. Just fucking terrifying. Yeah. Creepy. So that kind of comes out of nowhere, almost like in The Fellowship of the Ring, when uh, Bilbo just tries to get the ring from Frodo and goes like, ah! Reminded, reminded me of that. So... Francis had told him that he needed to believe in serious stuff, and then Larry accuses her that she was, like, guilty over not being able to give him her bone marrow, and then that's why she was making him grow up fast. Yeah, very weirdly heavy, but... That's why this movie is so great. It deals with actual, real-life problems. (laughs) Like the boogeyman. Chaz Anthony was like, oh, I broke the Gravitron. This one's no, you are. She has to deal with real problems like, why is my dog on my roof? Why is there jello in the pool? dying, and your other brother is the only one that saved him because you did nothing. We we really don't see Bert much in the movie at all. Because Bert's too cool. He's mostly comic relief, and with the notes I was already taking, I didn't fit too much of no. Bert in there, but he's of a little consequence for the he's, movie. He's yes. a junior. He's out there. He's at parties. Wearing his bicycle helmet all the Getting time. Getting that tang poo. But that night, Larry is watching over Darwin as he's sleeping, whether Darwin can see him or not. Oh, is he Creeper. dressed up like a cowboy? You better believe he's dressed and up And like that's a actually a really cool thing that I noticed is that one of his toys is a cowboy who's also black and was sitting on his bed stand. Oh. So I thought it was kind of an interesting connection because already he's saying, like, cover your head with the covers. So, like, things kids do. And he when puts you're a the kid... the covers over his head yeah. for him. 
But when he's telling the kids that, but when you're a kid, you know, you cover yourself with your covers. You think your toys are going to protect you. And like in this situation, like a personification of your toy Whoa. is literally watching over you. And he Whoa. hears something on the roof and you better believe it goes bow wow, wicka wicka wow, wow. It, it does wow. <laughs> But yeah, I just, I don't want to point that out. That it was a really cool detail. Adds to too. kind of the, the world of imaginary world. friends. <laughs> Everything seems to be fine in Darwin's room, but yeah. actually the boogeyman seems to be attacking or there's weird swirling smoke and lights coming out from Francis's bed. So I think Larry starts to pick up on this. He comes to Francis's room, wakes her up, and then, yeah, they hear something on the roof. Boogeyman's on the roof. They go outside. The classic. Is he dressed up like a cowboy anymore? No, he's a firefighter. <laughs> Yeah, and Sorry. at this point, this is also where it hit him home more to me, was Francis like, oh, you look like one of Darwin's toys, which I think, again, oh, I was kind of purposeful. I didn't know that. But yeah, that just brings up a good point that. that while this movie is pretty scary for kids, it could be a lot scarier because if there was more of the boogeyman underneath your bed, like, you know, the hand creeping out or whatever, yeah. but it's like, oh, the boogeyman's coming out. Oh, now he's on the roof. Separated from the kids' room, so Seems not completely scary. a lot scary. to do with the roof of the boogeyman. Most of his scares come from the roof. <laughs> yes, throwing the eggs, putting eggs the dogs the roof, up there. Dogs on the roof. He's up there putting up lights for some reason. Yes. So Larry goes up on the, the roof, and he sees the boogeyman, and he's messing around with some lights. And sticking to fairly good, well-established horror tropes, at this point we had never seen the boogeyman face-to-face. We had seen you know, creepy hands and whatnot. So we finally get a look about halfway into the movie of what our monster looks like. And fitting with the Christmas lights, he kind of looks like a spooky elf of some kind. Very old looking, messed up clothes, matted hair. Just talks generally. And rhymes. Yes, like he talks and rhymes. and rhymes. The spookiest way to talk. So they have some kind of confrontation where Larry's trying to wrestle with him, but he pushes him off of the roof or something. So Larry's hanging onto the roof. The boogeyman's kind of taunting him, saying, Oh, she's going to. She can't see me now, but she'll like see you soon or i don't know john cena's you can't see me yeah so francis is going she sees larry hanging from this roof but she can't see the boogeyman and larry's like you can't see him no what are you talking about so she just thinks larry is an idiot that fell off the roof another problem that i have that larry should be able to fall off the roof and nothing would happen i mean he's defied (laughs) gravity so many times it's like i'm gonna go get a ladder so we know <laughs> we know why Francis couldn't see the boogeyman on the roof too, but that might yeah no no well, it's a good it's there's it's, payoff it's to good. pretty much everything everything is set up in this movie and there's payoff to pretty much yes. everything it's no good. because she thought Larry died and he fell maybe ten feet oh I missed that so she didn't save him she did think he was like dead yeah she didn't save him with the ladder. And oh, she gets hit in the head by what? Santa Claus. A light up <laughs> Santa, Santa Claus. Claus. So, yeah. And then she drops the ladder and it breaks it into breaks. her parents' bedroom. And they're like, "What, what the hell?" The power? <laughs> Apparently, the boogeyman can control the entire <laughs> infrastructure of this town. The whole grid is gone. Whole out. place goes down. Okay, power, except I'm, the house. <laughs> I'm very glad that you guys are paying attention because I just wrote here like somehow the power goes out. So like, very good picking up on that from all the lights they had plugged in. The... No, it was just the boogeyman. It's like. Oh, I, I, I think it was for the house. The it was kind of like with Clark Griswold and the family vacation, the Christmas no, one. It was the boogeyman. <laughs> so the next morning, somehow the news media has picked up on that the power outage came from her house, Francis's house. Yeah. So the dad picks up a newspaper that has the house <laughs> on the front page, but then is immediately attacked and hounded <laughs> they by reporters. Out for blood. They're like, Why does yeah. your house have the only power <laughs> in the entire town? So like all these vans are rolling up. You hear, you don't see, but you hear a 
helicopter. How many news stations does this town have? <laughs> That's very true. Hey, middle of America, slow news day. You just gotta go to Middleburg. And they won't stop ringing the doorbell. So Francis is in there with their family. Uh, Dad is obviously pissed because he's like, Francis, they still, the parents just think Francis is involved with this somehow, whether she's acting out doing these pranks or yeah. something. She, th- They think she's involved. In this case, they're right, at least with the light stuff or whatever. The dad suggests going on a trip. Bert says no, something. she doesn't say go for a trip. Let's go for a drive. Oh, yeah. And Bert's like, I love that. Just kidding, Dad. I have a dentist appointment. That's meant to imply I'd rather go to the dentist than go out with you because I fucking hate you, Dad. Dental surgery is what he said. Man. Elective dental surgery. One fun Bert moment is Bert is in his boxers at this point, and oh. he notices that some hot news lady is out there. She's like, oh, from Channel 5. I like her. So oh. I could only think she of... Said, he says she's a hottie, Melby. This is the 90s. Okay. Uh, I could only imagine him popping a boner in his boxers in front of his whole family. So I bet when he, his family goes out for a drive, he's sitting there watching Friends, eating a cookie puss. Jennifer Aniston. All the 90s things. Yes, the cookie the puss. seminal '90s starter kit: <laughs> Friends and Cookie Puss ice cream kit. I don't even know what that is. It's some like East Coast like ice cream chain. I need it. We shouldn't know what it is. But we <laughs> there with his Furby, petting his pet rock. He's got a Tamagotchi. I was gonna say that. So Francis goes and. She goes outside and the news reporters are just gone. They're, yeah, no one cares anymore. They wouldn't leave until they're like, eh, all right, I guess well, they're not coming out. They went for a drive. What can we do? <laughs> but I'll, I'll go back. They're like, Francis, you should go on a drive with us. And they go, no. <laughs> His dad's like, no, you have to come. And her mom's like, no, we have to have trust. I'm like, if you think your daughter's going on a rampage here, you take her with you in the fucking yeah. car. That's a good point. I didn't, I didn't catch that part. But the mom's character is very much, she's trying to really understand, and it's kind of comedic where she's kind of trying not to be like a helicopter parent. So yeah, establish trust. We got to set up boundaries. So she's kind of coaching the dad with some of that stuff. But Francis just, yeah, I guess the news must have followed the parents in the car. She goes out to the garage where a very long, elaborate scene happens, but not a lot happens here where Larry makes some kind of machine. I can't remember what it was called, like a terror fuge or something. something. Oh, yeah. It's it's some kind of elaborate thing like a kid would make up, you know, when he's pretending to be a scientist that's hooked up to the dad's vacuum cleaner. And when he tries to show it off where Sam... Well, he, says, he says that it would, you attach a boogie and it makes him age. He goes, oh. She's like, oh, I need to see that happen. So he attaches it to milk. It goes black and white for some reason. Yeah, it's very much like Frankenstein, you know, Dr. Frankenstein. Young kind Frankenstein. Of, no. <laughs> but, you know, crazy scientists. Oh, it's working kind of thing. So, so I didn't know if it... Did Larry make the world go black and white? Is Francis seeing him black and white not commenting on it? Or is... My, my, I'd probably say it was something they decided to do while they were editing the movie. So that's why no characters really like react to it within the universe besides just Larry hamming it up as a scientist. So yeah, why would making a boogeyman old kill them? Because aren't because a boogeyman age? <laughs> because at one point in the movie, Francis asks Larry, he's like, so do you just like live forever? And he's like, well, I've never died. <laughs> and so it's a very elaborate sequence that results in, yeah, spoiled milk. The milk ages and gets on Francis, so she has to go take a shower. Oh, and Larry's just following her up there, watching her in the shower. That's not quite what happens. So Francis 
We don't see her take a shower or anything. It's oh, not... no, we missed this. Uh, she takes something from him and he scratches her with a oh, long yes. fingernail. Ooh. Yes, he has fingernails that look suspiciously like the Boogeyman's. So, yeah, we don't see her take a shower. We don't get a mid-shower sequence where the Boogeyman's hand comes out and, like, touches her head or something. No, this is Could have worked. This isn't Nightmare on Elm Street. No. But there are some similarities. But Larry is in the mirror, which is right in front of the shower, so he basically watched her undress. And take a shower. One of the the I best shots in the whole movie, the whole mirror sequence. Yeah, so Larry is cool. in some kind of scuba suit, and look, the camera is situated behind Francis as she's Francis, looking in the mirror. And she can see Larry, and she's like, you know, what are you doing back there? And turns around, and he's not there. She looks back again, you know, he's still in the mirror. And, and he steps out of the mirror. And then and Kiefer Sutherland runs by. He's like, oh, I'm trapped in here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's one of the best practical effects, probably... It, you know, it's all visual, like, trickery, but no no crappy green screen. And, yeah, I'd probably say it's one of the most effective effects in any of these movies. Because even, you know, Can of Worms, they have, like, the fun alien Xenon. creatures. Well, Xenon ha- doesn't have fucking shit. They have spacesuits. <laughs> not those, me, not those, really. She goes for a spacewalk. Those were obviously all put on there with digital effects. I just think, overall, this movie is, like, the most well-realized, ambitious, in a way, compared to, like, any the other decom. really good. Yeah, we'll, we'll mention we'll some good that. sets later on, but, yeah, there's just, like, good music, good, fairly good directing with, like, the camera angles I was talking about. There's the, this good the effect. Doll, swivel. Good yeah, music. Just, a, just lot a lot of details that we're probably pointing out too many at this point. So, yeah, she takes the shower. He comes out of the mirror. We're like, oh, my God, we got to rewind that. Oh, check Watch this out. How did they time. do it? Yeah, they built another set next to the set. I, I, how they did. Uh, that seems like a lot of work. But that's that's what this movie deserved. Uh, and he just says somewhere that, like, oh, we need to make something called Boogie Goo. That's what we'll use to Boogie stop the boogeyman. It's in the book. Maybe there's a recipe in the book. So at dinner, the parents have invited the guidance counselor over to see what her home life is like she's like she has experience with this and if they think she's having a severe psychotic break they wouldn't bring the stupid guidance well they don't think she's quite to that level they think she's like acting out or something the principal would have said oh she was pointing at the top of a piano saying a guy was dancing on i don't know if he said that they're just too busy like but her middle name starts with b Look at these tigers. Oh, <laughs> dilated back to that point. Uh, they, The mom's like, oh, actually, the donor for the leukemia, because when the counselor brought that up, was actually Bert. Oh, Albert. Bert, short for Albert. But they're like, hmm, B. Could it be Bert? Yeah. <laughs> oh. And obviously, the uh, principal was tending to his bee stings in that bee scene, too. Sting, yes. Yeah, the bees thing, you know, it's a little on the nose, but yeah. But at the the dinner, the guidance counselor, I think, says at least Jacob and Sam's favorite line of the movie. Oh, that's a uh, a lovely little bus you have there. And the mom pauses, kind of looks down. She does not look down. (laughs) She She pauses. She pauses. (laughs) She pauses and looks forward and they're like, oh, the statue. So either she's thinking that she's talking about her own boobs. Or I did look at this. Frances is looking direct, was located directly in front of the mom. So she would be looking at her daughter (laughs) when she says little bus. Yes, Sam diagrammed this out. He built a diorama, put string between people's sight lines. It should be mentioned that the statue, they have, like, a, a bust, which is used in the artistic the world to reference, like, a, a, a sculpture from the face. shoulders up. So, Or the joke from Naked which, Gun, where the guy from the police department is arresting girls. She goes, is this some kind of bust? 
He goes, uh-huh. yes, they're very nice, pointing to her boob. <laughs> See, that is very explicit. This is far from it, and I don't think there was any sexual overtones. This, this I think it was just does a, move at one point throughout the movie, too. The, it was, it is one of the spooky things that turns. But I think it's just supposed to be the guidance counselor's kind of quirky. It's maybe an awkward situation. Of? It looked a little bit like the dad. It was, was the like dad African, of his own head? It was like an African be, woman, I thought. It would be a pretty sick movie. Or was it a man? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. We don't, again, getting hung up on maybe the wrong details. So Francis is just not into what's happening with this dinner. So she's like, hey, can I step yeah, away? Bro. So she goes into the kitchen where a giant mess is happening where Larry is cooking up the boogie goo. The with, dad was literally in there five yes. minutes ago. So it's... Very confusing how this happens, but it's all very smelly. It's a huge mess. He's throwing in, like, gym socks and, I don't know. You put a gym sock in a blender. That's very important. Yeah, gym socks and leftover school lunches, because school lunches are so uh, gross. Yes, kids, we know what you like. Jalapenos is, you know, it's supposed to be a Rotten super... eggs, but then yeah. they put in the jalapenos. Like, ooh, jalapenos. Let's Burnt sugar, so just a uh, amalgamation of tons of gross stuff. And it starts to smell really bad. And then the mom comes in. And I wasn't sure this was going to be a situation where this people can't see it. Because Larry's involved with this. No. She sees that it's a whole mess and she smells it. And as Sam said, the dad should have been cooking me dinner. He comes out with pudding for dessert. So he, where did he get this pudding? And if not the kitchen. The sock in the blender was in the pudding. So the sock was in the blender before he made the pudding. Oh, I shouldn't be slapping true. my leg pointing this out, but still. Yeah, so there's a blender that looks like it has a creamy substance in it, which uh, seems to be not even related to the boogie goo. That's just where it's the like, pudding oh, was made. Detect, uh, the teacher eats it. Nutmeg. Do I detect, uh, do I detect uh, nutmeg? The dad's yes. like, ooh, a little bit. And then she pulls out part of the sock. <laughs> yeah, the part of the sock that, in my mind, looked like a used condom, condom or something It was gross. definitely a condom. So, yeah, kind of a gross-out moment. But the mom comes in. Socks are condoms to boogeyman. <laughs> <laughs> Not just a boogeyman. Use protection, kids. <laughs> Wear a sock. He thought it was a gym sock, but actually Bert had jacked off into it. I mean, the pudding was uh, oh, creamy. Sure. Uh, all right. but uh, So the mom is upset about the mess in the kitchen. But then she starts hearing what's going on outside. So she's like, I got to go attend to whatever's happening with your teacher, who is basically having like a near vomit attack. So, like, everybody clears out from the table because, like, the, the teacher is just freaking out because there's too much nutmeg, I guess. But Francis is trying to get a handle on the situation in the kitchen. Larry's inside a giant pot that has the boogie goo. He boogie comes goo. out. He's all Licking covered with himself. goo. And he's just like, oh, my God, just settle down. <laughs> this is getting to be a little bit much. So, and this was kind of a situation where it was like a weird flex of like their effect where he's coming out of the pot that's on the stove. And so then Francis the opens the cabinets underneath it. Where there. is he coming from? If not underneath here, see, look, his legs aren't down here. <laughs> but Larry's acting weird, which or at least Francis says he is, but it's like, he's not well, acting that much weird. Yeah, he was eating the boogie goo after saying how sure. gross it was. Yeah. And then she's like, what's going on? And he's just like, I'm not turning into a boogeyman. Why would you think I'm turning into a boogeyman? You're crazy. Well, it's boogie rage for you. And Frances, being as smart and logical as she is, she's like, I think there's something going on with Larry. Yes. (laughs) She's not going to say, I think you're a boogeyman. But she basically does pretty quickly after that. Because Larry is in Darwin's room. No, no, no. We have to point out he drops the spoon and gets the boogie goo on the kitchen floor. 
and someone walks through it, it's Darwin. That is, is that Darwin. is an important point. So Larry is in Darwin's room because that's his connection to Darwin because he was his invisible or imaginary friend. I don't know if you really hit that home or not yet. But Larry is, I think, really giving a good performance. He's a little all over the place with his other stuff, but when he's turned into a boogeyman... He is creepy. He, he is, is terrifying as hell. So yeah, he's just like going on about the goo at this point. He's like, oh, it's so good. It smells so good. So Darwin comes in and he's like, who are you talking to? Yeah. He's like, I need to be alone in your room. So then Darwin goes to Francis's room, which then sets up that's where the boogeyman usually comes in is from under Francis's bed. And no. he's smelling the, the goo that was on, on his shoe. foot. So he snatches Darwin. Uh, Larry senses the other boogeyman. So they go up to well, a room. No, 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 no. He, he's like, oh, there's boogie goo on the floor because he's all turning into a spooky boogeyman. Starts looking up. Oh, must be on your shoes. And so I didn't walk into it. And they look at each other, and then it cuts to this. You know, I, we're still getting to the same point. I may be cutting out a little bit of the the, the world building. Do not take away from this Shakespeare play that is this movie. This is where it's set up that where do boogie people live? Boogie world. So Larry's going to boogie world to get Darwin back. And Francis is like, I'm coming too. And this is where we really get the confrontation, the culmination of the leukemia subplot. Yes. Where... Francis admits that she was relieved as uh, Larry had maybe kind of suspected that she was relieved that she didn't need to be the donor for she was the donor Darwin's bone marrow because yeah, she was scared. And Larry says normal people get scared. It's completely normal. It's logical logical to be scared, which I don't believe he was dressed up like a cowboy for this part. (laughs) So you get good character development of kind of the deep seated fears of, Francis, because she's like, I've never had an imaginary friend. She had to grow up fast. She didn't have time for imaginary friends. She couldn't be scared. She had to believe in other stuff. And that kind of rubbed off on her brother, which has kind of created this whole situation with Larry. Because I don't know, I must have forgotten to write it down that if somebody is an imaginary friend and their person stops believing in them. They forget all about them. She reads it in the book. They they don't see them. Yeah, I forgot to bring it up. But if imaginary friends person such as Darwin for Larry, stops believing in them before they get old enough where it's okay to stop believing in them. Yeah. That person then turns into a boogeyman. Yes. So you can maybe but see... only a boogeyman. Yeah. So you can maybe see where some of this might be going. Larry sneaks off underneath the bed and Francis... With the machine that he created. Yes, that's very true. That's a good point. The the terror fuse or whatever the hell it's Is called. Is it plugged into the wall? You better believe it's plugged into the wall. Very long extension cord. So... Francis goes to follow him below, and here we get a couple of cheap jump scares. Uh, So yeah, she goes underneath the bed, and it's almost like Poltergeist with like the creepy clown doll. It's just this weird creepy bunny, which is, why does she have that bunny? It's her room after all. So there's this creepy bunny doll. She throws that out of the way, and then the dad comes and pats her on like the back or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, Sam wanted to say it, it would be the butt, but. So that's another one where two really quick, the bunny, and then it's like, ah, who's that? And we know that the actress is 20, so it's okay to joke about that. Sure. (laughs) Uh, So the dad is, he stops Francis from leaving and is like, did you put a gym sock in the blender? And Francis responds, "Uh, dad, it was the boogeyman. And the dad's kind of just like, you're fucking crazy. No, the dad just goes, "Uh, maybe you want to talk to your mother. Yeah, the dad is very much like, you're kind of being a dick right now. So, And she was being a huge dick. So he just kind of leaves her to be. And then Francis is like, bye. And then goes underneath the bed. Very sassy bye. We see that there's some 
weird, not the best effect, some weird portal. ethereal portal to yeah. Boogie World. But there's a neat transition where as she's crawling into this portal, it then transitions climbing to her. Up, uh, she's climbing on a cliff, cliff. up into Boogie World, which is like, pretty cool. Larry, Larry, help me. And he's like, bitch, I told you not to follow me. But he's saying that dressed as a good Indiana Jones, a good Indiana Jones yeah. uh, imitation. Boogie World is basically cool attention to detail or cool just idea in general. Yeah. It's comprised of stuff that would be underneath your bed except super size. So there's like puzzle pieces. There's different kinds of toys. There's Books. a there's peanut a butter guy that only eats McDonald's. <laughs> what? Super size me. Why would that be underneath my bed? You said super size. It's funny. Oh, gotcha. Stick by that right. joke. <laughs> Over my head. It, you know, I'll, I'll leave it in. The peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> yeah, peanut butter sandwich. And a, a toy car, specifically. So they... Well, he says, this is uh, Darwin's toy car. You should have seen me get it out of my pocket. I missed that. <laughs> so they hop into the toy car. Well, first they have to back up to get it all up to speed, because it's a toy car. True. She holds it with her foot while he gets on, and then she slips, and they go off. Ah. Uh, so yeah, they go for a long time. That's Bad, the... bad green screen. Yeah, that part's not the best, good. but they get to no. where... This is a part I have a huge problem with. He gets pulled back because the cord is plugged into the wall. Oh, he gets yanked off the But car. then later on, it gets pulled out with him walking. So why did that huge thing didn't yank it out of the wall? It's done. Uh, I don't know. They find where Darwin is, and he's trapped inside of a, a giant sock. sock. And he is having a hell of a time the, getting out the, of that sock. The matching sock. He hasn't given up, though. He is clawing for life. He is like a hamster. And, and, and the sock is very small compared to yeah, other, so other things. Francis, when they like crash the car or whatever, she flies into a giant skate, and the yes. skate does not Big. seem it's to not be a skate. Is a rollerblade? Rollerblade. Roller skate. Same thing. Roller skate is the one with four wheels on either. Rollerblade is the one that's like a hockey one. <laughs> okay, <Woosa>. Grandpa. <laughs> Woosa. So yeah, she's inside of this skate, and the sock does not seem Blade. to match the size that this skate should be. Blade. Blade. The sock does not match the drapes. And you better believe that that's just a crusty sock from Bert's room. It's but it's in <laughs> it's it's in Francis's room. <laughs> Bert likes to take that around tour. Okay, whatever. Uh, Every room of the house. But it did remind me with Darwin that I'm like, how hard can it be to get out of a sock? But I remember one time when I was a kid, you got stuck in a sock. No, almost kind of the same size as his oversized sock, but. I don't remember the situation, like, you know, as a kid, I liked camping, so I was in, like, my sleeping bag one time in, like, our house, and just, I had a flashlight, and I was going exploring in my sleeping bag, but I got so rolled up inside of... Exploring in your sleeping bag? I was a kid. I've done that. I remember doing that. and I got stuck. I got so rolled up inside, I couldn't, you know, I must have been sitting on the opening or something, I couldn't get out, and I was super freaked out, and, you know, my mom, I was like, Mom, help! And then I had to get out of it, so I can see how he can't get out of this side. There was a knot tied at the end. That's how it could get out. It was tied. Oh, I never saw that. Oh, yeah. When they were fighting, that's what I mean. But he he was still... I was too busy taking notes for all this. He's like, on the end of the sock, going, wait! Where's the opening? <laughs> well, now out. I'm embarrassed. Uh, so, yeah, he's trapped in the sock. Francis is trying to save him. Larry is trying to hook up the boogeyman who appears to be all spooky. Oh, he really is scary. moving side to side without moving his legs. Boogeyman Creepy is as hell. done really well. I don't know. I thought it was he good. He talks in rhymes. Good makeup and stuff. I no, I, yeah, again, good all this movie's role. done Looks really like well. got attacked by a porcupine. Everything is, like, set up pretty well. This climax is built up to. It's earned. It's not 
overly rushed like in some decoms it's not doesn't come out of nowhere like in another spooky one like halloween town i'm not a big fan of halloween town don't look under the bed is much better larry starts messing with the boogeyman tries to hook him up to the machine the boogeyman starts to scream pretending and i'm like oh shit is this all it's gonna be the end but no that dastardly (laughs) boogeyman was just playing us for fools i know that you walked 10 more feet and then unplugged it where you got yanked off of a race car earlier yep so yeah the machine is no longer getting power and the boogeyman says as much in this extra time larry has now fully morphed into a boogeyman they haven't been able to save darwin so now he's just a full-on boogeyman i'd say the makeup is pretty good on par with a lot of the other stuff in this movie larry looks very freaky and it's a it's a gradual transition where he you know has his eyes and then when he's starting to turn into boogeyman in darwin's room yeah he's got the nails and the teeth and now it's his voice was going all weird he's like i got something in my throat leave me alone bitch so it's a good gradual process that i appreciate Starts sounding like uh freddy krueger starts saying bitch all the time (laughs) Uh, but Larry and the Boogeyman are now teaming up because they're both Boogeymen together. Uh, they trap Francis in a very not super great a net. Comedically, <laughs> a lot a of comedically holes. Shitty net. Yeah, they're just like dragging her, and <laughs> she's kids like, "Are so fucking stupid they can't get out of the most basic crap." <laughs> yeah, so it's not even like she's being dragged on the ground. She's just like caught in it. She's like walking along. She's like, "Oh, Larry, please stop." <laughs> Where you didn't see me, both both me and Sam were comically waving our hands around like, oh my god, please help me. I can't just take this net off, no. The net goes down to like her waist and we should say. Yeah. Because she's 20 years old and giant. (laughs) She's a believable like maybe 16 year old, but not 13 year old. Uh, The boogeyman, in a kind of dark turn while Larry's dealing with Francis, goes and takes Darwin's sock and tries to throw it over a cliff in Boogie World. (laughs) The, so, the same cliff Francis had. So would, would he end up back underneath the bed? Had he gotten thrown off? No. It was a different one because they rode the car together. Oh. You would probably keep up. He would have probably <laughs> thrown up behind Bert's bed. No, I didn't want. <laughs> I should have stopped. All you. these tissues. Around. <laughs> all right. So, but Darwin's putting up a fight, not letting He's the thinking book... about the newswoman. <laughs> what? Oh, no. I mean, it's all set up. That's why Bert's not it's around so much in the movie. Circle. He is a he is an older adolescent in high school. Constantly masturbating. In the nineties, internet wasn't what it was, so That's where the point. He had to just turn on the local news. Oh no. So Darwin's putting up a fight against the boogeyman, so he's not, you know, immediately able to throw him over the edge. And the boogeyman in some of this is referring to Francis as Franny. Franny. Which kind of alerts her but True. she's also stuck in a net so she's not able to immediately yeah. uh reconcile why this is happening francis yells to darwin that he needs to clap his hands and says no, 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 no. she says you need to say that you believe in larry and the boogeyman covers his mouth and the- uh, he's like oh, oh, i've got you and she goes no clap <laughs> larry, your hands if you believe in he's larry. got a free hand and he can't pin the little child's arms which is ah, obviously the classic thing from peter pan which clap your hands if you believe in fairies it's a thing. And the play. What play? Oh. Of Peter Pan. Oh, I don't watch plays because I'm not. Well, Peter Pan was originally nerd. a play. I I knew it from the Johnny Depp movie Finding Neverland. It's a very good film. I, I thought that it had Robin Williams. <laughs> that's fucked. Yeah, that's fucked. <laughs> this is about Finding Neverland, brief tangent, is about James Barry, the man who wrote the play of Peter Pan. No, oh, so it's shittier than Peter Pan. 
Uh, it's much better than Hook. So hey, Hook is Hook awesome. Again, Rufio. Tangent, Tangent, Rufio. Tangent, and becomes the new Peter Pan. <laughs> Don't get me started. Uh, but yeah, so he claps, and this works, and Larry turns back. This was one of the points I didn't like so much because unlike his gradual transition into a boogeyman, basically the boogeyman is just this outer casing to his body that breaks off in a bad effect, and then he's just normal cowboy Larry underneath. Yes. Does he use his guns against them? No. But he says, hey, boogeyman, you've yeed your last ha. He actually... <laughs> he does not say that. Say that. <laughs> I got him going, though. Boogeyman, I need to bust you, and busting makes me feel good. Much like Alfred does in his room. <laughs> I, was, I knew you were going All right. there. Yeah, was, you I know, a little telegraph. So Francis is working on getting the, the terror fuse ready while Larry starts to battle the, the boogeyman so they can save Darwin. And this is kind of scary where, kind of like Freddy Krueger where he can just morph stuff, but he's mostly just morphing his extremely long fingernails and the swords. to be even longer to, yeah, to the point of maybe being like swords. Oh, and Larry the picks up a pen and he's like, is, oh, the pen's mightier than the sword. A and giant throws up another one and goes, oh, swords. A giant oversized pen, we should say. So I'd say pretty scary stuff. Dangerous moments for the people involved at this Meanwhile, point in the movie. Francis is using a paperclip to hook up a battery and just kind of loop it around the... See, I missed all of this. I was taking too many notes, so I missed this fun stuff. That's not going to work at all. It's not grounded. <laughs> so Larry ditches the pen because it gets cut in half by the boogeyman's nails, but he eventually beats the boogeyman using some like sick breakdancing fighting moves. Yes. But there was a better point where... When the boogeyman grows out his other fingernail, he's going specifically after Larry's hands on the pen. So Larry has to keep moving his hands oh, on the pen. Oh, yes. It's not like the, the most flashy, like, choreographed fight scene, but there's reasons and, like, justification for how they're doing it. He's not just randomly wailing around on this pen. There's the, the best fight intention scene to his actions. Become so far. Maybe the only. Jazz Anthony. <laughs> Did he fight somebody? He was fighting discrimination. He, he fought the, <laughs> his skeleton that he constructed. Then they hook him up to the machine after he's been breakdanced down. And it starts to age him, but he ages into an old lady. Yes. Which, yeah. We'll see why that makes more sense in a little bit, but yeah. kind of weird. But then the machine stops working, and he's back to the boogeyman, and he's like, Haha, bitch, I'm back again. now. But then Frances has a moment of realization. Franny. She, re she remembers, yes, the Franny connection that the only person who ever called her Franny was her own imaginary friend, Zoe. Zoe. Who she had to forget because she needed to grow up when all of the scary stuff was going on with Darwin's leukemia and whatnot. But the boogeyman then turns into the imaginary friend, Zoe. And this is one where there is a gradual transition from boogie face to being boogie, a girl boogie pass. she doesn't There's just explode into she also morphs genders <laughs> yes pass. so it's not the greatest effect but there is a attempt for the transition so i appreciated that so yeah there's zoe it's all great and they just and transfer british for some reason she is british they transfer back to francis's room All's good. Darwin is dad forgets about the gym sock and the pudding yes. remarkably fast darwin is back and safe Dad and mom come in, and they're all like, oh, we believe you, Francis, because this was fun. Your dad just logged on to the internet and found out the same stuff was happening in Centerville. Centerville. So, Middleburg and Centerville, I'll take it. I'll take it. Those are good names. 
she's not to blame. Everybody's happy. They're taking, I think they take Darwin out on like their shoulder and Darwin's like, well, I see you again talking to Larry who's in the room. But they're like, yeah, you'll see your sister, you <laughs> fucking idiot. Is the leukemia in your brain? <laughs> We're going to have to give you another painful procedure. Fun moment. And this is all, like, I could have seen, like, if this was another lesser decom, they would have got back to the room and be like, all right, clean our hands of that. That's the fucking movie. Roll credits. Oh, yeah. But, so we get the family coming in, and I'm like, okay, that's probably the end of the movie. It's still not the end of the movie because Zoe and Larry, Zoe the British imaginary friend, and Larry, who is now a cowboy again, yeah. Well, shit, we got to go to Centerville, which seems weird. He said the voice in his head said he got to go bust another one. Yeah, I'm just trying to k- figure out. <laughs> the voice of the brother also saying that. I'm trying to figure out how, like, this imaginary world society works, that there is some guy in head ruling over them. But Darwin is still assigned, or Larry is still assigned to Darwin. So he shouldn't he anywhere. still be his imaginary friend? He can go away for and, a couple days. And if you're, if you're an imaginary friend and you don't turn into a boogeyman, then you just... Once you graduate from being an imaginary friend, you're just like an imaginary cop then or something. Just yes. kind of weird. But so they're heading out. They're outside. Francis is like, well, I'll see you guys again, right? And they're like, no, Francis. Francis, you're getting too old for this shit. Yeah. yeah. And this was kind yeah. of a, a reasonably emotional, Up touching moment. It's sexy as hell. Yeah. There's Ooh, Larry randomly heavy. kisses Francis. Yeah, which kinda, I've seen you naked. <laughs> kind of unwarranted. Yeah, well, like, a lot of Disney Channel subplots, like Halloween Town, where Marnie kisses that, like, troll guy. Yeah. On, like, the cheek or something. Yeah. Everyone thought he was ugly, but she saw the goodness he was ugly. Even as a fellow Luke, I will say he was ugly. The ending did not need the kiss. That wasn't needed. They can just be friends. And it wasn't even done there. No, it wasn't. Or no, yeah. And it's reasonable for her to be sad because she just remembered her imaginary friend. She finally got yeah. her back, and now she's like, we'll never see each other again. Sad. But you will remember when he watched you take a shower, and that's why he kissed you. Uh, you'll at least remember that. What if you like, wrote it down? You could, you could write all your uh, imaginary friends. Yeah, it could be one of those down. things where like the magic makes you forget. That's kind of a sad moment. Oh, you're basic. But, ag- we're gonna go. but again, so like this climax of the movie, like, the movie seemed, it was 90 minutes long, like all decoms, but it seemed really jam-packed where yeah. it didn't seem like too short or too long. But like the climax came at a normal point in a movie where then you have the falling action, the resolution, and we get that where usually that's about three minutes or two minutes in a decom. Yeah. So after this kiss goodbye, Larry and Zoe leave, and then we get the final scene in the movie where Francis, Francis is in bed. Yes. No sexy stuff, Sam. No sexy stuff. <laughs> but Darwin... We don't know what happened. Darwin comes in and... He's like, oh, I want to spend the night with you. And then they have some conversation about growing up and, you know... Yeah, it was like, he, she's afraid. And then she said, oh, Larry told me this. And said what Larry said earlier in the movie. Yeah, so it, it was kind of a nice little moment. And they, then Larry and the other lady are perving out on this. They're, they're oversized, though. They're, they look really big. They're just kneeling on a yeah, bed. Yeah. No, they were... They were. No. I think they're oversized. No, they were like bigger. The guitar did not squeal, and they, they were not were, oversized. They were big. Uh, but big yeah, boys. so and it's a nice... staring girls. directly at her chest. Yeah, as they drift like off to sleep, they're hovering over their assigned people. So Zoe's over Francis, Larry's over Darwin. Yeah. Yeah, but Larry's looking over at Francis because he's a perfect. And it's like, weren't you supposed to be in Centerville? Like They're already done. They're so good now. So then they disappear, and then that's the end of the movie. 
They can be wherever and whenever they need to. Yeah, they'll be their imaginary. It's not like they need to be in one place. But they one. still make they make messes in kitchens. Though. Well, I don't know. <laughs> they threw eggs at that car. That was a boogeyman, be fair. Oh, and we should mention that Zoe has a great little line that's like, Larry's like, you're a girl, you turn into boogie a boogie person. Boogie person. So boogie while yes, and tell John won't fucking stop <laughs> saying that in the shitty British accent. While they're regressive about some stuff, like making fun of the dad for liking to vacuum, they are progressive in referring to boogie men as boogie people. Because girls, years, girls can be boogie time. people too. The only uh, African American man in the movie also slowly turns into a monster. Oh, well, that's just nice. the fate that was assigned to him. And you heard it here, folks. Oh. Every African American male. No, I'm talking about an imaginary friend. <laughs> it's Francis's fault. It's the white person's fault. No, it's Darwin's fault. No, because Francis yes, com- convinced Darwin's him fault. to not believe in imaginary friends. Well, it's definitely on Francis. That is very well, clear. It's Darwin for taking that. I wouldn't uh, give yeah. a shit of what my brothers told me when I was a kid. But I, I almost forgot my favorite part of the movie: that the credit song is not some bad pop punk no. song that's about the title it's of the movie slammed up the phone. it is earth wind and fires boogie wonderland yeah which they shelled out the movie i don't know how expensive it was to license it but they got it and it's so great and it's a joke i should have been able to think of while watching the movie but i didn't and i loved it and i might put it at the end of this episode but i don't know rights issues i can only play 30 seconds or something get them funds to get that song on there. Don't report us. I won't play it. I got something else to play. But why would I play that? Because it's an awesome song. Why wouldn't there be rights issues with that? Because that band never existed. Alright, so who wants to start with their overall impressions of the movie? I'll take it. Do we have like a We don't we don't have you know you just say how you feel about it. I think it's very clear Probably how most of us feel. I've already gushed about this movie a lot, but I just think it's a very well-constructed movie, almost to the point where if it didn't originally show on television, like it could pass as a real film. But yeah, a couple, the, of, go- a couple of goofy moments. There's uh, some like weird the, the bowling pin thing. Yeah, the bowl- the boogeyman gets bowled over by Larry, and they play bowling sound effects. Oh, he yeah. lazily rolls a bowling ball at him, and he does like 18 flips yeah. in the air. But I just, I found it very ambitious with a very original plot, took some turns you really didn't think were coming, created this whole sub-world of imaginary people, set up rules that made sense. Yeah, good sets, good music, good direction, good makeup, good characters. I only somewhat hated Francis, but I think you were justified for once of not liking the main character because she was the cause for all of the problems and kind of believable stuff with like the parents not believing their daughter, but they had good reason because she was coming off like a fucking crazy Crazy. person. That's another, right after this movie, she has to take some type of psychological test. If she's saying, hey, look at this guy. No, the internet, the internet is all good. Play a saxophone. No one's there. She's going to get tested. So I'd say genius. I also thought was a fairly well-constructed movie but like this i would be fine with calling like an actual like film or movie and i put it up there it's definitely one of the best if not the best we've watched wow up there with can of worms where it's like this is a movie that i like because it's enjoyable and like creative and not like this is so bad it's good or anything you're saying this is a film now disney uh, d d cops are you saying are you saying film (laughs) uh you know like a family film (laughs) 
Much like Citizen Kane, it is a film, according to Lucas Melby. I mean, there's there's gradations nope, of art. Same as Lucas Melby. There's art. There's film. Different, there's different kinds of film, and <laughs> there's different kinds of art. Now about what I think. This movie is fucking rad. It scared the shit out of me as a kid. Yeah, it's also a legitimately scary. scary kids movie, I it's would think. Still, still holds up. The pervert parts are kind of weird. I'll admit that. The also un- completely invented by Sam, so... The unwarranted yeah. kiss at the end, also a little weird. That's but like the major... I mean, it's not a huge knock against it, but it's like, you didn't need to put that in. We didn't. You didn't need to be in the bathroom while she was taking a shower, but she was. No, that was necessary for the plot. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. The plot, if Says you know what I'm saying. The sex pervert. Um, these guys touched on a, lot, on a lot of it. Like I said, I, I, I really like the sets. Probably my favorite sets next to Can of Worms. Can of Worms had some really good sets in it, too. I'd say it moved into probably my top five, top four of the movies. I mean, we've, we've only watched. watched 11 of these, so Let's, it's a fairly competitive pack for me, yeah. minus You Lucky Dog and Johnny Tsunami and 13th Year and Under Wraps. But really, of those, only You Lucky Dog and Johnny Tsunami. Those are like the bottom. Of all two the ones you've me. listed, I would say it goes this one, Smart House. Johnny Tsunami. Smart House is so bad, it's good. Smart House is fantastic. Smart House has some good ideas, but this is Smart House if it was more fully realized. We're, Don't Look Under the Bed has good ideas. They bring up a kid's leukemia, this, and it doesn't feel like shoehorned in. He brings up that his mom died, and he has issues with that. Also, a he house sucks. threatens to go to a bully's house and beat him up. How is that going to happen? <laughs> So sorry, we cut. You finished with your thoughts. That was good, yeah. Yeah. Top top five. Upper echelon. This is the second to last 1999 one. As we mentioned at the top of the episode, our next one is the final 1999 horse sense with the Lawrence brothers. They had a show. Uh, what was it? Brother up or growing up? Something like that. Yeah. That was just this group of three child actor brothers. Yes. And it was one a of them. I believe Disney was Channel on, show. Uh, Boy Meets World. You were correct. I was diving into horse sense because I'm like, what the fuck is this movie? Hopefully it'll be good. Hopefully. Wait, is, is that the one with the plane or is that the third one with the plane? The plane. I don't know. I haven't they seen it. They get crashed in a plane. No, that's wanna... the sequel to horse sense. Okay, There's I want to be there for that one. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know there was a sequel. You're not allowed to be there for the Dope sequel. You missed the you gotta first. put in the work. What, you oh. want to be there for Johnny Tsunami 2 when you didn't watch Is Johnny, Tsunami? Johnny Tsunami 2? <laughs> it's called Johnny Kapahala Back on Board. Oh, I'm yeah. definitely going to go for that. You didn't tell me that you were doing Johnny Tsunami. I would have been there in a heartbeat. Uh, I might have salvaged some of the episode. So, wrapping up. No emails again this week, but this was probably another long episode, so it's probably good we don't have emails. I even have a little thing I could talk about that related to DCOMs, but we won't right now, because... Too much, too much of a good thing can sometimes turn into a bad thing. Am I, I right, guys? I feel like you could have said what you were going to say in that explanation. Nah, nah. But if you would like to email us, give us your power ranking of DCOMs, of just all DCOMs or the ones we've watched maybe so far, you can email us at a whole new pod at gmail.com. If you want to email me, it's samblazing at yahoo.com. And I don't know why you'd want to email Sam. You can we haven't gotten we haven't gotten a lot of emails, but I would love the fact that Sam put out his public or his email address publicly. Sam, who isn't even like active on Facebook. The, if you think I'm the best one in the podcast, email me at samblazing at yahoo.com. That's blazing. You can with text an S. me at this number, and if you aren't sure it's me, uh, here's my social security number. <laughs> blazing with an S instead of a Z. That's how it's spelled. 
You can also follow us on Twitter at a whole new pod. Getting moves in motion about some kind of YouTube account yeah. potentially. We're gonna go on air soon. What are you going to put on YouTube? Just our, the our audio podcast. of the episodes. Yeah. Okay. You're not going to have a video version of it. No, not that'd be yet. terrible. Not yet. Maybe maybe one day. I mean, you, you can look up, up for that first. You can look us. Uh, yeah, we've mentioned our Twitter account, so you can see what we look like. But the rule I've always heard is when you listen to a podcast, you're like, huh. I should look into these people more. I wonder what they look like. You should never look it up because you're always going to be disappointed. I'm not on Twitter, so don't worry about that. I recently, I recently just changed my Twitter account profile picture for the first time since I created the account Whoa. in 2012 because I'm like, eh, in case somebody listening to the show comes across my account, I won't have my so senior <laughs> picture from high school. So. Your senior picture? What is your photo on there now? You got I'm not going to describe it to you right now. You can just look at it. I'll check it out. Did you go to some dealership and lean up on a car like it was kind of yours? No, I'm not not Jacob Telejohn. If you want want pictures like that, you can follow. If you go to a car show, I'm like, hey, take a picture with me with these two (laughs) girls in bikinis. If you want pictures like that, you can follow J-A-C-O-B underscore T-E-L-L-I-J-O-H-N. That is more indiscernible than if you just said Jacob Telejohn. All one word. And also, try Squarespace. If you want to make a website, try Squarespace. (laughs) Well, something you can try is rating us on the podcast platform of your choice, recommending us to your friends and family. We've got at least one review, one written review on iTunes, but write a review for us on other places and... If they're good or very bad and critical, we might read it on the podcast because that could be fun. And I think that's enough for what we have right here. I'm telling you, I'm going to get you that uh, Squarespace endorsement by just mentioning it. I I don't think they have like feelers online where just any audio that mentions them, they're like, Squarespace, Squarespace. This person pretending to be sponsored by us. Let's actually sponsor them. Also, Blue Apron, they give you food that you can cook. I'm not the biggest fan of Blue Apron, so I don't know if but I'd sponsor you know, should sponsor I wouldn't accept the sponsorship. Now, we are, now we're being critical. What's wrong with Blue Apron? I, I've just tried other meal delivery services that I think are better than Blue Apron. Name one. HelloFresh. Name another. Plated. Name another one. Uh, I'm impressed. We can end, I mean, we those can two were my favorites, so... Also, Stitch Fix. I got a shirt from them, and it was really okay. nice. <laughs> All right, so this has been a whole new pod. I've been Lucas Melby. I've been Jacob Telejohn. And I'm Sam Blazing. And this time, not we're not going to put Sam on the spot. We'll throw it over to the old standby. I was worried that I might have to come up with something, so we'll throw it over to the old standby, Jacob Telejohn. Some wise words. Don't look under the bed. Wow. Jacob was motioning to me. He's like, yo, dog, I got this. Give it to me. That was terrible. That was a shot and hit the backboard and bounced and hit you in the face. So awful. I'm going to have to come save this. If you spill red wine on a white you already carpet, did that one. use the Oxy Power Bump. What are you going to do? I'm going to call the police. No, you don't need to do anything. What? Why? Because... God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. Oh, God is bigger than the 
boogeyman and he's watching out for you and me. Get it? Um, well, I, hmm, well, no. Oh.